Hey internet, I'm Simon Squibb, your host at the Good Luck Club. I believe luck is an ingredient that's necessary for a successful life. Whatever you're starting, building or shipping, I'm here to tell you, without luck, you're not going to make it. I've been testing my luck as an entrepreneur since I was 15 years old. I've had plenty of failures and successes, and I'm fascinated by the things I couldn't control. The moments that made my career, and the ones that threatened to end it. In each episode, I'll invite a guest to share their stories about luck, the good and bad, and together we'll test my theory about luck's role. Our guest today is Patrick Lee. Patrick is a serial entrepreneur, best known for being co-founder and former CEO of RottenTomatoes.com, a leading entertainment website focused on movie reviews and news. He is an advisor to a number of startups, including Casetify, Kiwi Campus, WePlay and Zeus Technologies, and a mentor at a number of organizations, including SOS Ventures, Berkeley Skydeck, Blue Startups and the Founders Institute. Patrick holds a BA in Cognitive Science from the University of California at Berkeley. And I'm proud to say I have invested in Patrick's businesses in the past. So Patrick, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'd like to start off these podcasts with a simple question and, and define perhaps what success means to you, Patrick. That is a good question. I think, you know, a lot of people uh, in the Bay Area, for instance, they see success in many different ways. Uh, some measure it by, you know, money was one, is one way. I don't do it by that. Uh, others is sort of how well you're known um, or what you've made, how well that's known. Uh, I think that is one metric I've been using a little bit. It's just sort of like, you know, have you created something that people actually use? But I think more recently, I've been looking at sort of the, what would I call it, the big fish metric, which is, if you've ever watched that movie with Ewan McGregor, A Christmas Carol, you know, where, where Scrooge is, he sees into the future at his funeral and there's no, no one there, right? Mm. Except for, was it Tiny Tim and his dad? Uh, and in Big Fish, where when he passes away, there's all these old people from his whole life that came out. And I'm not really, it's something I've been thinking about more, but it's sort of like, did you make a mark on people? Did you leave an impression? You know, recently with the very unfortunate accident of like Kobe Bryant, mm. actually one thing that I thought was very impressive was just the outpouring from the entire world around that. Mm. And I feel like that is actually, in a way, I mean, it's, it's a metric that you can't really measure until the end but you know did you make an impact on people, positive impact on people um that really affected their lives yeah so it's sort of that's sort of the thing i try and think about you know as, as you go forward wow so it's not just um how much money you have it's not you know like uh how famous you are or whatever but sort of like did you make that impact you're the first guest that's ever come up with that unique way of explaining success it's 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 got me a little emotional, actually. I, I love it. I think your the insight you have there is who's going to turn up to your funeral? You know, who, who's going to care? I remember when Steve Jobs passed away. The kind of, you know, we were both in Hong Kong at that time. I remember you know, people were lighting candles and putting it outside the store. Right? Yeah. I mean, that kind of homage uh, to to what you created and the impact you had on people's lives. I think that's an absolutely awesome way to judge success. Do do you you say you're thinking about this lately? Do you do you feel that that's always been your is that is that a new thing for you? Or, 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 over time, has success 
altered for you is what's important? Um, for me, I never really cared much about money. And so that part hasn't changed. And I, I, I did feel like, you know, just because when you're growing up, you watch things like A Christmas Carol or later on, you know, Big Fish, and you're just like, wow, that's really powerful. So it wasn't, it's something that, I mean, as I've been getting older, that's something I've been thinking about more. And then recently, you know, with Kobe or in Taiwan, there was this, uh, you know, famous actor model named Godfrey who also passed away very suddenly at 35, you know, Kobe was a 41, I think, and Steve at 56, something like that. And they're all kind of early. I, and I hope I don't pass away early, but definitely I think that stuff does make you think, one, about how short life is, but but also just um, what's really important. I mean, all these people were quite successful. You know, Steve Jobs was the CEO of the most valuable company in the world at the time. But, you know, when you think about money, uh, the way I see it, if you have, you know, friends and family, like, no matter what happens, you'll never starve. You'll never go truly homeless. Like, someone will, will lend you a couch or a meal, I think, you know. Hopefully, you know, you never get to that point. So it's like, what are you really worried about as far as like taking risks and all that other stuff you know i mean for money i think it's mainly just you know to be able to support yourself your family you know and especially things like with emergencies like medical stuff or whatever i would say those are the most important things um and so yeah i think for success there's many many ways of looking at it but i definitely think that hypothetical metric is is one way to look at like are you positively impacting people mm. you know are you leading a life that is uh that is good you know i mean mm. like scrooge right mm. he had a lot of money in his uh in christmas carol mm. when he passed away but then when so he such a classic actually went out and reached out and you know tried to help people like it it was he was a better person and mm. i think had a better result I think it's a, it's, you're raising something that I think a lot of people have trouble with. Even myself, for that matter, I have this dilemma where I want to go out and help people. I want to. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I want to take knowledge from founders like you and give it to the next generation of founders. You know, I, I love that. But equally, it takes me away from my son today. And, you know, he's going to be there at my funeral. And how much time have I given him? And being away from him while I work on something to give people something, it's, it's a dilemma. You know, being away from your family. I mean, I think you have family all over the world. So wherever you live, you're, you're away from someone you love, right? You know, that, that, that type of thing. And, I, you know, I, 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 it's a struggle, isn't it? It's a struggle. And if, and if your idea of success is, and I love it, is this concept of, like, your legacy, how you've impacted people's lives and, you know, who's going to turn up to your funeral and care, it's quite hard to um, get all those things in balance. So you're giving, you know, the love to your family, but also to potentially like the Steve Jobs situation where we all know he had, a, you know, an issue with his, his, his daughter, right? I mean, he was very distant. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've had any um, experience with that sort of that sort of dilemma. Well, that was one thing that happened to me when uh, I was in Asia at the time when Steve had passed away. And I've always had, you know, different folks in the past where I was like, oh, I'm pretty, I would love to meet this person. And he was pretty much at the top of my list at the time of someone who it would be cool to meet. He was actually a big fan of Rotten Tomatoes. He 
mention Rotten Tomatoes in three different keynotes that he yeah, gave. I saw that. I saw that and, stuff. Yeah. Um, and the design firm I had before Rotten Tomatoes, after he passed it off to another group to take over, they actually did work for Apple. Mm. Like, and he was even in some of the meetings that they did. So I was, I always thought it'll be kind of neat to, you know, I heard maybe that he wasn't always the nicest person, but it would be kind of neat to meet him. Woke up one day, saw that he had passed away and it was just a huge shock. And I recalled his speech that he gave at Stanford, you know, and one thing he said in there was the whole, like, if you wake up, he looks at himself in a mirror, asks himself, if today's my last day, what I do, what I'm about to do today. And if the answer is no too many times, you got to change something. And I remember at that point, I was like, wow, today was really my last, you know, 24 hours. What would I do? I think I was in Beijing at the time. And I was like, I would call my family, tell them to fly to San Francisco, fly back to San Francisco and hopefully get a few hours with them. Mm. And that's when I was like, oh, it's time to go home. Mm. So even now, I'm here, my dad's in the area. And we got convinced my mom to move up near where my brother is. Um, and they're on near Seattle, Washington. So they're just a few hours, two hours flight. And so now that I moved back, I see my family like way more, like all my family, including like cousins and the kids and all that stuff. So, so that's a very positive. Mm, amazing. I mean, I, I, I'm fascinated by this concept of luck. I mean, you've had a smash hit uh, business with with Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, I'm, I I started to write a book, and 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 part of that book was how brilliant I was in business. And then I realised that a lot of the reasons I've been successful were lucky moments. And so I've been obsessed with this concept of luck ever since. But I'm really interested in what you think about luck, and maybe if you could give us some examples of when luck has played a role in your business and when bad luck might have played a role. I'd be interested in your view. Yeah, I think the timing timing is a huge issue for so many companies and so many companies could be very different if if you know one thing changed one way or the other you know so examples would be like you know google tried to sell to uh they tried to sell to excite for i think less than a, a million dollars very early on and uh what a, different, said no. what a different world we'd live in today yeah, I mean, most likely because I bought it, I mean, they went out of business very soon afterwards. Um, they probably would have gone out of business anyways and taken Google with them and there'd be no Google. You know, Facebook almost sold to Yahoo for around near a billion dollars. And I think last minute, I think it was Terry Semmel or one of them tried to like lowball and cut the price down to like 900 million. And I think Zuckerberg really wanted it to be a billion. And then so Zuckerberg's like, no, you know, and again, imagine what would happen. I mean, probably would have been the same result. I mean, I don't think Yahoo would have changed all that much. And Facebook would be probably a dead product, you know, and a lot of these cases, it's like, if that one thing was different, everything else would have been completely different, right? Um, for Rotten Tomatoes, when we raised money in January 2000, two months later, the stock bubble burst. 18 months after that was 9-11. I mean, we had some crazy, crazy external things that happened to us. But at the same time, it was kind of bad luck, but in some ways it was good luck because it took out all our competitors in a way. Um, the stock bubble bursting, we had identified probably 100 companies that were competitors or potential competitors, including some that had raised 
tens of millions. I think one that was possible competitor was like, I think it raised over a hundred million at the time. And when it burst, most of the ones that raised more actually were the first ones to go because they were just spending way too much. And back then people were trying to raise a lot of money to like buy a lot of eyeballs to go bigger and eventually try to IPO. And though their structure wasn't set up for there not to be more money coming in. Whereas the ones that didn't raise or raised very little, they were the little, you know, cockroaches or whatever that kind of could stick around and make it through. And so because we didn't raise much, we were able to make the changes quickly enough to keep us alive. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel like there was a big break in, in your life? I mean, then and now, do, do, do you feel like there's luck playing a role? Yeah. I mean, for us, I think one of the biggest things that maybe could have made a bigger difference for everyone at Rotten Tomatoes was, you know, just selling it. Um, we pretty much didn't ever aggressively try and sell it. Like people would come to us and eventually we had a couple offers where we're like, no, this doesn't make sense. We don't want to lose our investors money. We finally had an offer that would make our investors money and we took it. Looking back, I'm like, oh, well, we probably really in a way undervalued things and we should have probably done a better job of like pursuing a buyer if we were really serious about it, you know, rather than just waiting around for them to come to us. And there's probably a lot of better ways we could have handled it. And, you know, I had another friend that, or some friends, they had a company called Mochi Media uh, that sold, that put uh, ads into Flash games. And they had raised some money. They're doing all right. They finally got an offer to sell. I think the VCs wanted them to sell as well. And that offer would have made the founders like no money and made the VCs get back some of their money. And they were lucky in that they had a couple of, of friends, mutual friends, who were like, this is crazy. You shouldn't, you shouldn't take this deal. Went out, made some phone calls, and they found a deal that was like 8x better or something, like significantly better. And that difference went from the founders making nothing to, you know, to a point where they could essentially retire. Mm. Um, and those little changes can make such a huge difference, you know, uh, later. And just like I was saying with the Google and, and Facebook examples, like, where would they be? I mean, Google, if they had sold for less than a million, it would have made no difference for them almost mm. monetarily. Very little. I mean, just a great yeah, experience, would, I guess, right? You come out of Stanford, you build something and you sell it for a million. It's a nice yeah. little story. Yeah, exactly. And they would have to do something else. I mean, a billion for Zuckerberg, yes, would have been life changing. Well, he, he but, actually he, he said he wouldn't know what to do with the money anyway, which I think is fascinating. And you know, the, the money point, yeah. Um, you know, yeah. It's, and then, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, these things definitely uh, can make make a huge difference. And I think for us, um, there were things that one or two changes could have made a massive difference. Even our friend, um, my friend Dan Huddle, who I knew in, in Hong Kong, he had a company called Zanga. And at the time, they were like the biggest blog, I think, the biggest or one of the biggest blog sites out there. Huge growth. And then they ended up getting sued by, I think it was Elliot Spitzer, around you know the child protection laws, trying to make an example around companies that, maybe didn't have enough uh, 
protections for for children online. Mm. Sue them, sue MySpace, and all that. But they're a much smaller company. Didn't raise anywhere near the same kind of money, and they had to spend I think a year in court defending themselves. Had to settle for a fairly large amount for them, and it totally just took away all of their momentum.、Mm. Um, and they were able to go on for a much longer time, but they but they lost that like massive momentum、mm. and lead that they had. And again, you change one or two things. Maybe they were Facebook. Would be Facebook. You know, it's just pretty crazy. Slight tweak. I'm I'm interested as well in the you know you had this smash hit with with Rotten Tomatoes, and you know you you founded it. You're the CEO of it. You scale it up. You sell it.、Um, I'm interested in what happens after for you. Like I, I can I talk for myself for a second and say I haven't had the same level of success that you had with Rotten Tomatoes, but I've had some successful businesses. And once you get to a certain point where you've you've made enough money, and you sit there and you say, okay, why would I risk my reputation again? I mean, even me doing this podcast is me putting myself out there again. What if it fails? When I've got a reputation of succeeding and I've made money, why risk it again? I mean, how did that feel for you? How have you? Because you've gone on to do lots of things since. I mean, how did you motivate yourself to keep going? What about that fear of failure? How does it how does it manifest itself after you've had such A big success.、Um, I mean, for us, Rotten Tomatoes is a success in terms of brand is very well known. But you know, for us, we didn't suffer very much, so it wasn't like I mean, it was okay, but it wasn't the same level as you know a lot of companies out there in the Bay Area or even having a good lifestyle business. A lot of times, they would have made more money. So did that?、Um, did that mean you were motivated to? Get on the horse again because financially you needed to, or I mean, did you find it easy to get back on the horse again and go again? How how did that play out?、Um, it wasn't because of money. It was just wanted to try some other things. All the companies I've done, every one of them was just seemed interesting, seemed like I wanted to try it out, and they were all with friends, you know, from that I knew from freshman year of college.、Um, was for at least one co-founder, and so I actually ended up doing three companies afterwards.、Uh, One in China, one in Hong Kong, one back in the Bay Area. Looking back, a lot of it was because of I just wanted to try a new place. New place And, to live, you mean? Yeah,、hmm. uh, because you know I was born in the states, grew up in the states. So, so I went and tried to do those things. And for me, it was just yeah, just wanted to try having a new challenge、hmm. and stuff. I, I think that's And really- I wasn't worried about reputation or anything. I mean, no one people knew Ron Tomatoes, but no one knew me. So you, you ne- it never played into your mind that you've had a success, and what if you have a failure, and how that could affect your brand? Because I think I mean, you're you're、yeah. always very humble. I think a lot of people know that you created Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, it's you, for me, you were one of the、um, top entrepreneurs in Hong Kong when I was when I was living there. I was always very proud that I knew you and been an investor in one of your businesses. You know, I think you 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 underestimate,、um, I guess, the、uh, image you had. Um, do, do you, but you, you just felt you could ignore that. It didn't matter, or、um, I didn't actually even get out and start talking. I had a huge fear of public speaking, so I didn't even start doing that until I hit Hong Kong.、Mm. Like in China, I didn't do any of it. When I hit Hong Kong, people started asking me more at, at that point, and Rotten Tomatoes had become even more known since that time. And so,、um, so then I started doing a little bit of speaking and everything. I think that's when maybe. It would, I became a little bit more known, especially in that area. But yeah, I mean, I've done six startups, and you've only heard of one, right? And so, three 
four of them were basically, or the other five were all basically dead. Uh, one or two of them had some medium level of success, but nothing, nothing like Rotten Tomatoes. And so I wasn't too worried about that. I mean, the only kind of worry in terms of something reputationally is if you really did something bad, bad, like, you know, like Theranos or I don't know, like Harvey Weinstein or, you know, one of those kinds of things. Mm. Right? Um, but just trying to do a startup and failing, I mean, in the Bay area, that's super normal, mm. you know, and, and how can you be doing a startup if you're, if you can't take risks and the biggest risk, the most obvious risk is failure. Mm. I, I would actually just add on a personal note um, that, you know, I, I was always impressed how you cared about the investor in your business. I mean, I think about how, you know, your whole mindset there around, okay, so if we sell the business now, our investors will lose money. No, we have to keep going. And then once you got to a number where, you know, you could take some off the table and pay back your investors, you, you were happy. I mean, as you mentioned, I think the story is well known. You've mentioned it before, you know, you, that, that you sold that business and then it went on to, you know, be worth hundreds of millions um which you didn't sell it for hundreds of millions you, you you sold it for a lot less but the point being that i think your integrity played a huge part in that because you were more focused on reputation you wanted to pay back the investors who had backed you i had that experience in the business i invested in with you and i think that's quite unusual i mean is that is that always been your way is it about building bridges because i think what, what i'm thinking about is when listeners are listening to this Sometimes I think they think, okay, I'll get investors. I'll make, like you're saying about Fernos, I build the business up and I'll build my own reputation. And if investors make money or not, well, you know, sod them, sort of thing. Um, you know, but you, you, you were not like that. Do you think that's why you've been successful, or do you think that that's something that's not normal in, say, Silicon Valley? Or did you even realize you were doing that? <laughs> well, first, I would, I would say, I don't know. If- Rotten Tomatoes would be worth hundreds of millions. Even now, I, I don't think it would be, but it would it would be worth, you know, more than what we sold it for. Didn't uh, it, did, it did sell for 112 million at one point? Didn't it? It was it was not. Um, there was, I think, with Flickster, it's I don't know, it sold for a decent amount, but I don't know standalone. Uh, it's hard to judge because I don't know what their current revenue and traffic numbers mm-hmm. are. Um, but. For me, yeah, I, I think it was important because most of the people I would raise from were people that I felt were friends mm. and or, you know, some in some cases, family. So I would always try, if I could, to at least get them their money back. I was able to do that in two out of two out of four cases. I mean, that's a good hit um, rate, if you ask me. I mean, and I'm one, a- I was able to get back half, unfortunately, and the other one... I mean, we lost everything. Uh, the last one, and there's no way. There was no way to recoup that. Yeah. What are you focused on now? I think for me, the biggest things was were uh, I got a bit burned out. You know, since Ron Tomatoes, I had done three companies, um, fifteen years in those three companies. Mm. It was seven million that we had raised, uh, and lost most of it, unfortunately. Um, and I just got really tired to the point where I, I just need to take a break. I said I was going to take six months off. It's been two years, actually. And I've been just trying to figure out what's important um, for me. So spending a lot more time around friends and family, 
traveling a lot, doing a lot of speaking, um, a lot of mentoring of, of startups. You know, people find me on LinkedIn and I'll do a call with them. And uh, helping out with some organizations and charities, putting together events, and just think about what's important um, and what's next. Because for me, I've always done startups. I don't know if I have the energy to do another startup. It's not a for me. It's not a reputation or anything, but more just it takes so much work and effort to do one. And I don't know if I have that kind of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I've never worked corporate, uh, so trying to think about. What makes sense right as of right now i'm researching a couple of different ideas i'm looking into the idea around a film fund which is very different from anything i've done before but i think there's some some things that maybe could be done better um so i'm kind of looking into that i think um burnout is a thing not discussed enough in all industries come to think of it but i think as an entrepreneur it's it's a it's a really tricky one because you i i've seen you work and i i feel like i work the same way when i'm in i'm all in you when you're in you're all in and it's totally consuming and exciting but it does it, it saps something from you and so it's quite hard to keep going at it again and again but like you say that's all you know so it's not like you know you could get a job in a corporate i could get a job in a corporate but it's very hard for us to do that and uh, so so what do you do you have to start something again so rediscovering yourself is an interesting process right yeah so i mean one thing i learned ironically about half a year ago uh, on this break is i actually went and started mentoring at a accelerator in hawaii called blue startups i know it well so I worked uh, with them for two months. It's a three-month program, but I couldn't make the first month. So I helped them for two months, working with seven different startups. And the big thing was I kept saying to them, you're trying to do too much. You got to focus. You got to focus. Two months of saying that, I realized, like, I haven't been focused. Like, that was actually my big problem for my last three companies. With all three companies, I was trying to do, like, way, way too much. Whereas, you know, Ron Tomatoes was extremely focused we are only reviews and we're only doing for movies right and um so i i realized like oh my gosh i've been making the same mistake that i've been telling telling these people about and when i started looking at all the companies i knew um everything i could think of in the very beginning was extremely focused you know google was just search facebook only was in harvard in the beginning Amazon only was books and they actually went IPO just doing books and once they got bigger yes they could start adding more things but all the ones I could think of started very very small very very focused you know almost every you know food franchise you can think of probably started with one restaurant um, I'm guessing and probably was one restaurant for I'm guessing a, a few years you know so uh, that's the one thing I realized that, unfortunately, if I knew that, you know, 15 years or when I first went and did my company after Rotten Tomatoes, it would have helped a lot. And what's funny is after I realized that and Blue Startups actually asked me to speak about that because that was the thing I kept, you know, emphasizing to everyone. I've given variations of that talk many times now, probably like six or seven times already. Um, but as I was giving those talks, you know, I read Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, um, 
And then also, right now I'm reading the Steve Jobs biography, and in both cases they also talk a lot about focus and how important it was for their companies. Um, and it made me realize that you know what I actually think focus is like the most important thing for a startup or probably any company. Um, and it's it's kind of funny how I didn't realize it as I was doing it. But only later, when I was trying to teach other people how to do a business, that it it became like I always knew it, but I just didn't do that in my own companies. But when I started telling other people, I realized how important it was. It's such a fantastic insight, and you know, you twenty, thirty years of doing business, you're only realizing now this point. I love the idea that we can get this message to the next generation of entrepreneurs so they don't mistake, make the same mistakes. I think one of the problems is, you know, what is focus? If you look at Apple, you know, they're doing lots of different products. Um, so, you know, how, how is that focus? People get confused what focus means, right? So it's it's kind of focused, I think, around a mission or a purpose of what the business is trying to achieve, right? Yeah, well, the thing I tell people now is when you're just starting out, I say, one feature or product for one category for one market. So like with Rotten Tomatoes, that would be uh, the features reviews, the tomato meter. Category is, mar- is uh, movies. Market originally was hardcore movie fans. You know, Apple started off with a single computer, the Apple computer, and then Apple II. And then they lost focus after that, and they tried to do three computers. They did Lisa, Apple III, and Macintosh. And that's kind of the beginning of when they started having problems and Steve Jobs got kicked out and all that kind of stuff. When he came back, they had tons of different products. And the first thing he did when he actually got back with Apple was he got rid of everything and he just drew a little chart, two by two chart. It was a consumer and pro and on the other side, desktop and laptop. And he cut everything down to four. Um, So it wasn't back down to one, but I mean, Apple had already been in business for quite a while at that point, but he did cut it down from, I think, over a dozen to four. And it, I thought it was amazing. And then even within those products, he was very focused around the simplicity and ease of use of each product. Um, but yeah, I think in the beginning for people, what I try to emphasize is, yeah, you're going to be putting in crazy time, crazy hours, you know, your own money, your friends and family's money or investors' money. But if you take all that money and time and spread it thin across many things, you're just going to do everything badly. But if you could take that, you know, I like to use a magnifying glass as an analogy, you know, focus all of that to a single tiny point, put all that same time and and money in to a single point, you have a much better chance of actually making something that works. And ultimately, he was offering a online ordering delivery service that has never really changed that is the focus what you put on the platform for sale is a matter of access and 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 scale and ability to deliver right so the focus was there i think what's what's also interesting about what you're saying um is that you know you 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 and this is one of the reasons i'm doing this podcast actually so i want to make sure i put this this point right i think sometimes as successful entrepreneurs we have a tendency I mentor people too. We have a tendency to tell people what to do and how to do it. And sometimes we're not or haven't done what we're telling other people to do. So, for example, I would say to people, if you're doing a business, you have to go all in. 
you have to be in it you have to go for it you have to put you know your credit cards on the line and you have to put everything on the line um but in this day and age personally i wouldn't put everything on the line because i've got a son and i i need to provide for him so i will tell people you have to go all in but i'd be i don't know if i'd follow the advice myself completely because i've got responsibilities so it's very interesting being a mentor isn't it i mean you i i think it's wonderful you've been mentoring people for a long time and helping people for a long time but you learn something being a mentor i recommend any anyone out there that's got can help people mentoring you learn something being a mentor right but you learned something about yourself there but you reflected on your own um mistakes and and realized hey hold on a minute my past few ventures i hadn't focused and so but you know it's so important that's why you're telling the founders that isn't it isn't it weird how we don't realize yeah i mean i think when you mentor one um in my case it's actually an advantage that i've had so many failures because in a lot of ways, you learn more from the failures totally. than from the success. And I remember even when with sports and stuff or with, with martial arts and stuff, they were saying a lot of the best coaches aren't the ones that were like superstar athletes. Um, they were the ones that were kind of in the middle because they had to a lot of times work a lot harder. They maybe didn't weren't as physically gifted or whatever, or they didn't pick it up as quickly. So they had to really work hard to teach themselves and so they actually made better teachers mm. to other people, whereas the people who are, it just came naturally and they're just crazy good at it. They weren't, I mean, they were probably very good at teaching, but they might not understand stuff or if you're trying to teach someone who isn't getting it, mm. you know, it might be hard for them to explain because they were just, maybe they just got it. Mm. Right. So I think it's similar. And yeah, when you teach, you also can learn. And um, yeah, in my case, when I started telling people about focus, I realized I hadn't been doing it, but if I were to do another one, I would definitely keep it in mind because I, I didn't realize just how critical it was, you know, in the beginning, um, to be focused. I just want to keep talking to you, Patrick. Um, and I, I think what we might do is we'll, we'll jump over to YouTube and, and share a few more insights from yourself. But I, I want to keep this podcast so that people can listen to it on the way to work. So I think sure. we'll, we'll stop the podcast. I just have one question to end, which I always like to ask, which is if you went back to the younger Patrick and gave some advice, maybe even before you started Rotten Tomatoes, what would that advice be? I, I would say one is, you know, stay focused. And with Rotten Tomatoes... Um, probably get out there build a bit more network and take a little bit more time you know during the sale uh to either not sell at that point or um or do more research during that time i think i, bl I, I believe time machines are coming so you might have a chance to go back and, and do that yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. I just want to sum up quickly what I took away from your insights on the podcast today. Um, I think the key one for me is, you know, people should think about who will be at their funeral and, and the legacy they leave is more important than the amount of money they'll ever make. I think it was interesting what you mentioned about starting businesses so that you could try different places to live. I think I, I also did that. I think it's a great way of thinking about it. I started a business in Hong Kong because I wanted to live in Hong Kong. I think that's a great way of thinking about why to start a business sometimes. Um, I do think treating investors well, something you did a lot of, is a good bit of advice for anyone starting a business. Sometimes investors just seem like money, but they can become friends. I consider Patrick now my friend, for example. And and maybe when starting a business, yeah, as you said, stay focused. That I, That's a big key message. Don't do too much. Um, you know, one feature, one market. I think that's a 
that sounds like the title of, of your next book, Patrick, if you ask me. But thank you so much for your time. I think we'll jump over to YouTube now and just do a little bit of time there and, and chat a little bit more about the few things you've discussed today because it's really fascinating. But thank you.